0: Hello, it's The Campaign Podcast. I'm your host today, Omar Oaks, Campaign's Global Tech Editor. Today, can an ad about a mouldy hamburger really make you want to visit Burger King? Why is advertising lagging behind other industries when it comes to flexible working? Plus, we look at two very different approaches to selling fast food and sugary drinks in our review of the week's ads. All this and more from the world of advertising, media marketing, in this week's Campaign Podcast. So it's another week, another podcast, and another panel. Thank you so much to you all for appearing here today. We have Camilla Harrison, Chief Executive of Anomaly. Hello. Hello. And next to her, we have Mark Eves, who is also a Chief Executive this time of Gravity Road. Morning. And we also have Gergit Deegan, News Editor of Campaign. Hello, Camilla. Um, I was very interested in something you did at Christmas. You did um, a holiday ad, and a lot of agencies do things like this—Christmas cards and the like—for Christmas time. Um, but you actually did this thing where you, you had some kids asking Santa for coal um, in, um, in, a, in a spot to focus on the climate crisis. Why did you do that?
1: Well, every year we do we do do um, a film at Christmas, and we. Um, we let anyone in the agency pitch for that. And so it's 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 actually indicative of what I think people in the agency are caring about and most motivated about at the moment. We did a week on climate last year, um, just focusing exclusively on some of the issues and how we could help. And it's part of some stuff that we are doing at Anomaly and the sort of commitment we've got on Fridays for Future. But just trying to use the Christmas film instead of just purely being... An entertainment focus thing to try and kind of use creativity to raise awareness of
0: the issue. So, what's your agency's position then? Um, are you rejecting all fossil fuel advertising, or how how strong are you taking this?
1: Well, we work we work with Bulb actually. So we're in the fortunate position of um, working with one of the leaders in green energy in the UK, and they're one of the fastest growing companies in, in, in the UK at the moment, and um, have taught me actually an awful lot about um, uh, the energy sector and the utility sector. So we're in the fortunate position of not needing to make that choice.
0: Um, and uh, what would your advice... I mean, we've had The Guardian actually come out a couple of weeks ago and say that they're going to reject all fossil fuel advertising from now on. Um, do you think this is a start of more things to come?
1: A hundred percent. I think that ultimately, um, look, you're seeing it in every industry, without consequence, there isn't change. And so I think the more that um, any company and every company has got to do it in a way that's right for them, wants to put a stake in the ground and um, create a consequence, ultimately, if organisations are cut off from the creative community because they can't work with them in order to deliver amazing work, then they'll be forced to change. If taxes on certain types of vehicles go really high, it will stop people having diesel cars and it will push them into hybrid. I mean, I think ultimately it's a combination of choice and legislation and these two things go hand in hand.
0: Mark. Hello. Good morning. Where does the name Gravity Road come from?
2: Well, um... It is the world's first ever roller coaster. It was called the Gravity Road, oh. and when we set up, we wanted to have a, a name that was a bit more entertainment focused, and. Um, What's a greater great bit of uh, entertainment than
0: getting on a roller coaster and having a bit of fun? And we have it's my wonderful colleague Gurdjieff. I want to know what you've been up to this week.
3: Um, so yesterday I was at the TV advertising summit that Campaign puts on.
0: Yes.
3: Um, it's the first one that they've done. Um, and yeah, so I was just there listening to people talk about how TV has helped their business.
0: Right. Now, let's talk about Burger King's latest ad. So Burger King has launched a less than appetising spot, shall we say, to promote the removal of artificial preservatives from the Whopper in most European countries. Set to What a Difference a Day Makes by Aretha Franklin, the ad speeds through 34 days worth of a moulding Whopper, with the burger gradually losing its mouth-watering appeal to become blue and furry. It was created by Ingo, a WPP ad agency based in Stockholm. Guys, hot take. What do you think, Gergit? What do you think of it? Oh,
3: it's horrible. I think what they're doing is is great, and they're showing. Uh, what they're showing is great, you know, like no artificial um, products in their in their food. That's great, but I just don't think that will encourage someone to buy uh, one of their burgers. I mean, I spoke to my husband about it, who who's, who's my one person I get to go to as a normal person who just sees ads. <laughs> the and one
0: he, person, normal <laughs> person, you know? Well, how tragic.
3: <laughs> so he he said that uh, yes, it's effective and it, it tells a story, but I didn't get the vibe from him that he's ever going to move away from McDo's. Um, just because of that ad, I think Burger King needs to be a bit more on uh, kind of uh, on a brand level. They need to kind of engage consumers on a bigger brand level instead of these kind of like short, small, quick ads.
0: Camilla, what do you think?
1: Uh, well, I'm a bit with Gurgit. I've got to say. I mean, I think it's uh, the, the the problem is is that for me anyway. But I, th- I think it's fact that like visceral, visceral communications are more powerful than cerebral kind of mind communication. So the problem is the bit that you remember that kind of hardwires itself to you is the disgustingness of the burger, not the message. So I think the message is great when you engage with it, but my lasting thing is just a feeling of revulsion, which is a shame.
0: I get that, but surely people are sophisticated enough to know that you know the fresher you know fresh ingredients go off. That's what they're supposed to do, and they're they're, they're making a direct challenge to they are to McDonald's, where I, I'm sure there are videos where you've seen on YouTube where McDonald's burgers can survive for yeah. several months without going off. I mean, does surely consumers are sophisticated? They, to
1: get I hundred percent think that you get it and they and consumers get it. But I remember in the past when I used to work on things like anti-smoking and I don't know if you remember, like, the most effective anti-smoking ad ever was that one where the fat came out of the cigarette. Yes. And there are certain images that, as, just as a human being, that hardwire themselves into, they create revulsion. It's one of the most kind of powerful responses you can have. And because it taps into that, although you know, you still can't override the feeling of revulsion so i think i think it's admirable but it just leaves you feeling a bit mm,
0: so, that's my overpowering take mm, out uh so mark does it make you sick or you think it's sick
2: i thought it was an incredibly uh, brave move actually because there's still about six weeks left of can line entry time <laughs> and you know <laughs> someone else could come in with another stunt so um you know they've gone early uh so farewell you know good good bravery there uh Yeah, I mean, I think everybody... It's, just, it's sort of like another reason not to go on LinkedIn right now is the debate that's happening around the uh, multi-bigger. Um, clearly, it's just... It is amazing in one sense that there is a dynamic between... A client and agency that allows that sort of stuff to happen. Uh, so you know, once again, you're applauding just the the fact that it it happened, um, which is great, and it gets everyone talking about it. I'm slightly, yeah. Whilst I can kind of applaud that bit, I think uh, what's the effect on it? I don't know whether it, the effect is supposed to be uh, uh, the kind of visceral uh, love of food, because if if, if it is, I, I don't think it, it would do it. I mean, I think you're sort of fighting. Two hundred thousand years of evolution there, mm-hmm. that where uh, in the same way, in my I've been my brain tells me that sour milk tastes bad, and mouldy food is not something you could eat. I don't think you can uh, overcome our uh, evolutionary response to things that we should stay away from. So, so, so it's on that level. I don't think it, it, it's doing it. But, but in terms of. What it's supposed to be doing, I think it's doing it very well.
1: My my observation might be that an ad actually isn't the right format for that. Like a proper so like a social experiment that's filmed and captured over a number of days that's got a McDonald's burger and a burger. I think if I'm a busy normal person who doesn't talk about ads, I might talk about that experiment. But in the context of an ad, it just makes me I'm, I'm used to looking at appetizing things and that just I think for people who don't Really spend a lot of time decoding what they're looking at. It presumes you have the knowledge, doesn't it? It presumes that you already know that a McDonald's burger that wouldn't happen to. The
2: irony is, most of the people talking about this ad, it's probably several years since they went into a Burger King, and if they did, it was probably to have an Impossible Burger. Mm, so, yes. so, 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 you know. So, so, you
0: are you saying this is all about winning awards?
2: Well, not. I think, this is a winning, I think there is just about...
0: And why is it, I mean, why is it winning is the, awards in is the first the, place if, if consumers don't really like I it? I think
2: there is something about the creative energy of a brand and its behaviour in popular culture, which is important. And I think it is important for the momentum that it has in culture, the, uh, the momentum that, that, that it creates for other bits of the media to talk about it, even just the momentum it creates internally, an organisation that feels really brave. So... Sometimes those things are m- more important than perhaps the classical kind of uh, you know semiotics of mold, which you would probably put into research, and everyone would come back and say no. So I would judge it on those terms. In which sense, yeah? But but you know, if if you want to put some of the um, uh, you know the more more, more traditional. Emotional response against it, then, then I I don't know if it holds. But But also,
1: if it was the only thing that Burger King did, you'd be going, "What?" But the thing that's amazing about Burger King is that they'll do this next week. There's something else next week. There's something else. Some of it flies and is sensational. Some of it gets talked about like this, and we all have a view on it. But ultimately, they are prolific and unafraid and so i think at a marketing level whether or not we kind of give it thumbs up thumbs down actually the bigger thing is yeah. they're probably one of the most energetic maverick prolific brands out there and so broadly carry on
2: yeah <laughs> yeah. That's yeah that's right that's and you know in six weeks two months there'll be another thing so yeah. so it's part it's part of that drumbeat of uh, how you stay part of popular culture
0: yeah well, the key thing is if, you, if you've got a close rival, as they do with McDonald's, the key thing you have to do if you have a close competitor is you have to differentiate yourself, mm. um, which obviously they are doing. And I guess the question is, is this an effective way to do it? Um, not to pick on Burger King, but since we're talking about them, I don't know if you saw the ad that they did at the end of December around Christmas time where they, um, they showed this... It was effectively a stunt, wasn't it? A PR stunt, I guess, where they said, oh, look, in all our advertising in 2019, we actually had a Big Mac hidden behind the Whopper, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, to, to another point of differentiation. Hey, look, the Whopper is actually bigger. Gergit do you think that works? Is that another in the category of maybe, you know, us might think it's...
3: I don't know if anyone cared. I mean, if you, if you eat McDonald's and you'll carry on having it, and... Um, and for Burger King to come out and say, like, oh, we've been hiding a McDonald's burger behind all our ab- advertising, I'm not sure the average pers- person would really care. I, I um, think
1: it makes you enjoy and like Burger King. And, you know, it's a bit like, what was the objective? The, the objective of what they just did wasn't to get people to buy a Whopper, it was to make a point. And the objective of that probably was to just be cheeky and have a poke and remind McDonald's they're there and everyone loves the underdog and you know mm. i think i think they do a fantastic job of that and probably some of the things that control whether or not you choose burger king or McDonald's are pretty hard to shift but maybe it just does a really good job in keeping them in the game
3: yeah, yeah um, <laughs> raising awareness of, of yeah and so like seeing that i mean when i saw that on social um yeah i thought it was it was funny but then i moved on very quickly
2: yeah <laughs> I, I think the half life of these things is getting shorter and shorter and shorter, which is which is, is hard. But as you say, I agree. If, if you're an underdog, you've got to show a plucky spirit, and 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 it requires a lot of energy, and it requires a lot of uh, new ideas and fresh moments. But you know, I, I think the speed at which those things burn out is only getting faster. So you know, it, it puts pressure on a marketing organisation to be structured in a way that they can even. Even run at that fast, and and I think if you know, it, it, the challenge for a lot of marketing organisations is they can't run at the speed of culture right now. So even even just running at the speed of culture and being able to to, to keep up is 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 something which I think is to to be championed
0: interesting right Uh, for more on this um go to campaignlive.co.uk. um we've done a little featurette on the site where we've asked the question do shock tactics reek of brand desperation um where we're talking about the burger king ads and you can
2: moldy banana in my bag as well if if you
0: i don't want to know about your moldy bananas Okay, another story I want to talk about this week concerns flexible working. Uh, Mark Knorr is the first male chief executive of a large business in the UK to announce that he works a four-day week. Uh, Mark Nor is um, chief executive of Fold7 and the Maroma Group. The advertising, marketing and PR industries actually fall way behind the national standard in offering flexible working, according to the Flexible Job Index, an annual survey. Time-wise... The consultancy that carried out the survey found that just 15% of overall vacancies had flexible working options, compared to just 12% in advertising, marketing, and PR. Um, So guys, you're both ad agency CEOs, not you, Gergit, but um, Camilla and Mark. Um, What's your your working pattern like? Is it still a standard 9 to 5-ish, Monday to Friday, Mark?
2: Probably our senior management team, half of them have a flexible working week who've chosen to do that um i think a lot of this has to do with um how old you are as a business and how you've grown up really i mean we're a relatively young business and as we grew it uh, we always came from a place which was we'd rather have some of a brilliant person's time rather than none of it as we grew through i mean we, we Talk a lot at Gravity Road about time well spent and how you spend your time and how brands spend their time with consumers, but also how we all spend our time in a working week and i I think time is a very poor measure unless you're like a watchmaker Time's like a very poor measure of your work right and and it's much better to be measured by impact than that than time and I think one of the challenges of our industry is it's, it's, its legacy is it's it's sort of time driven it's on the it's been on the clock you know the two things that i think that that you kind of grapple with whilst trying to create flexibility is um vibe buzz the creative environment of people being together which you can't replicate um remotely so so you ha- you, you kind of have to be a lot more org- organized ironically i think we had a bit where we, we started to work more flexibly, but then we realized we needed to structure when, when the people are together a bit more. Um, so there just weren't
0: enough people in the office well, to I, yeah, collaborate, and have think, meetings? Or... I, I
2: think, yeah, there is there is an intangible nature in a creative business, which is people being together. A lot of great stuff happens in a business through serendipity. Um, so how do, you, how do you kind of keep that whilst um, reflecting ways people w- want to work? And I think also, you know, we are an industry where it's full of lots of passionate people who really love being there and in it and slightly almost sometimes addicted to work and the industry and, and absolutely love it. And, and that that does, you know, that can be very positive, but it can be very negative as well. So how, how do you kind of keep that kind of energy and passion, but, 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 but you know, allow a more flexible uh, environment for it that it doesn't burn out or um, doesn't um, lead to kind of more negative uh, behaviours? We're probably fortunate that we are a young business that kind of grew up in in, in a way that we were trying to bring talent in and work with people in different ways so that we could get the best people around different things. So we're we're perhaps slightly less structured than some of the big companies that are having to grapple with that.
0: Camilla Harrison from Anomaly being part of a network, MDC. Um, Do you recognise some of the things that Mark's talking about when you're trying to hire talent but you're faced with these limitations in terms of offering flexible working?
1: Within the MDC network, we operate and always have operated totally independently. So we, we, for us, I think the the challenges and opportunities are created by being a very global agency. Fluidity is baked into the way we work in quite a big way. So we do, you know, we work, If I t- if I take the London office, you know, we work with a lot of tech clients on the West Coast. We do a lot of global work where we will one day be... Uh, working with our Shanghai office or clients in China, and the next day in South America, and that asks—it's you know time zones, a lot of time spent on video conference, different ways of collaborating. Yes, it's important to get together too, and that happens in very kind of small collaborative human bursts that happen in spaces. But what 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 all of that means is that people have their, everyone has to manage their own clock and their own rhythm. And they have to be quite accountable for their own well-being. I think that's one of the very big challenges. It's like if I don't see people, I'm kind of going, oh, they were probably, you know, late last night working on some stuff with the West. You know, I know what accounts they're working on, the sorts of rhythms and cadences they might have. So there's this extraordinary amount of... Fluidity and flexibility bakes in. And yes, of course, if you're doing that, does it matter whether you're doing that video conference from the office or from home or from an airport lounge or wherever?
0: What about this point? And I I think about particularly younger workers as well, um, recently appointed or just younger members of staff. Don't they need, you know, a level of support in the agency? They need to be in the office. They need senior people around them. They're, how do you how do you strike that balance between making sure those people are nurtured versus allowing more senior staff to work more flexibly?
1: Those ways of working I was talking about kind of apply throughout because it's not just the senior management who might be doing that. But I think, like a modern business, you have to invest in talent properly making sure we're hiring people who have the kind of the skills and thrive in working in that way is super important it's not for everyone managing and looking after people and developing them in a modern fluid flexible working environment is coming that's there for everyone sort of a a, a huge thing then looking after and thinking about how you deal with the requests that people might have for a different structure between home i mean to work a four-day week you've got to have a recognizable five-day week to start with um and that isn't the case for everyone in every job anyway Mm. so working really hard to make sure that you are helping people navigate a much more fluid way of working is like main priority for us and then within that if people we do have a lot of people who work four day weeks three day weeks Mm. and different kind of experts and contracts and that's modern working
2: i was having a chat with someone recently and we were going what's like the the most radical thing that you've seen in the period that you've worked in this industry and the obvious thing to say is technology but actually the what the workplace is and what it's going to become and what it represents in someone's life, I, I think, is 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 radically changing, and is only sort of just starting. And and I think we're all in the talent business, so we need to make sure that we're creating environments where people want to spend their time. And um, you know, the, I I think that is only going to evolve, and I th- I think it is a careful balance of creating a physical. And an emotional environment for people to to be in, to be part of, but but what role that plays in their lives is is changing massively. And then I think there's sort of other stuff going on uh, which will accelerate it. Like there's an MP called Helen Wheatley Watley, you know, who's who's been very progressive in a bill she's trying to get through Parliament about legislation around flexible working, which I think is is really admirable. Um, even actually. I was looking, and you know, it kind of highlights it, but in 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 kind of a starkly, quite scary way, is through the the current coronavirus scare. uh, One of the fascinating effects of that has been the massive climb in the stock value of Zoom, because everybody's working remotely, and everyone's going, okay, right, okay, so actually. ways of working which are kind of more flexible that are more remote whether it be because we want to live that way or because there's global scares on or 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 actually just the effect of climate change and trying to trying to minimize your footprint as a business which means you probably do want everybody working more flexibly. i think there's there's other kind of macro stuff going on that that's going to have an impact as well
1: more and more i see the office as a physical space for people to come together, to be together, to collaborate, clients, partners, everything. Less and less do you walk around the office and just see people with their headphones on just quietly working because more of that happens in less visible places. And the the the, the more we, time we spend on Zoom and the more flexibly we work, the more important it is to come together.
2: I completely agree with that. And, yeah. and you know, if you're going to come... Come in, and we've all done it. You, when you come in and, and if someone's got earphones on, it's like well, you could be anywhere. And I, and I think it'll ask, it asks a lot of office design. I think the kind of we workization of the envir- office environment, which is generally a hot desk and earphones on, needs to sort of change to something which is more about people being together in the moment.
0: Mm. I want to get Gurdjieff's view. I mean, obviously, journalism is different to being working in an ad agency. Um, but I suppose um, we've been at Campaign Haymarket, um, the parent company, for several years now. Um, what's your perspective on how we've changed in terms of being more flexible?
3: So I, I work flexibly. I do um, Friday. So I do an extra hour Monday to Thursday, which I did anyway. And then um, a few hours on a Friday morning. <clears throat> And the key for that has been to... Um, is, is tech and communications, as, as, as these guys have said. For, for, for Omar, I don't know if you'd say, like, I think it makes me a better person because I get that better <laughs> to work with, to work with because yes, I'm happier because I've, I, I, I mean, for me, I, I spend my Friday afternoons in the gym doing a double session and stuff and, and it's great. And for me, that's that that builds me as a person, but then I'm, I'm a better person to work with. And then the other thing is, like, as journalists, we're always out and about, so... Yeah at Campaign we have like um, we kind of try to say like Mondays and Tuesdays let's all let's all stay together as a team and kind of like that's where we come up with some ideas and um, have our meetings and we just kind of have it on those days and then on the other days we try to be a bit more out and about I mean our job is to go to the industry and talk to everybody Mm. Um, but and and then then again it's just making sure we're all in touch and we just use WhatsApp to say like oh guess what I've heard this this is going on or that's going on can someone call so and so and um, yeah Things like that. So, But I think that's the point, isn't it? The cadence and the rhythm of work coming inwards
1: isn't nine to five, five days a week. It's seven days a week, 24 hours. Well,
0: in, so in, the in, cadence
1: in. at which mm. you deal with it has to be, you know, you, you can't deal with that. So you've got to kind of ebb and flow with it and try and set up a more kind of fluid mm. take that is sustainable and doesn't, yeah. you know, damage you.
0: Finally, let's talk about some of the more notable advertising efforts of the week. Um, KFC did a rather interesting thing with some Chopin. Um, This one's by Mother. Let's hear a little clip of that. And what they were trying to do with that is reminding consumers of the gastronomic delights of finger licking. Um, we've shown people from all walks of life tucking into their chicken before sucking on their digits. Um we talked about Burger King and um Camilla, you said um the visceral nature of it. Um what well, this is this is all people, you know, um, you know, doing that act of, you know, that people know about KFC. Surely surely this is something they should be doing all the time.
1: I do quite love it. I think it's beautifully done and choreographed and everything else. They Own That Ritual is brilliant. So why wouldn't you want to make, you know, an ad about it? For me, though, the thing that I struggle with is, (laughs) because it's, you know, it's interesting having talked about visceral Burger King, it feels so sanitised. I can... Imme- when like, The first time I saw it, I could imagine being on the shoot yeah. and I could imagine going, like, we don't want too much sauce on the thing. Like, we don't... Because you can't really see any mess and then you wouldn't want to see mess because mess would be messy and you wouldn't want to see mess. But... So, kind of people are looking clean fingers which is odd and then I've got this thing which is and I don't I have no idea but I'm going I can ima- I can only imagine like trying to shoot that and finding the balance between you know can't look sexual can't look disgusting like how many and and and, it, and it, it's sort of and it and as a consequence for me it just I know it's choreographed but it just feels a bit sanitized my other observation was i got it really quickly and i don't know whether or not they ran shorter formats but it felt really long i i just sort of wanted it to be more playful or loads of short form ones to different music or whatever i just do
0: different kind of lengths of these things
3: yeah. i totally agree i think i watched the really long one as well and i thought i was going on a bit but yeah short form social yeah. videos or something yeah, yeah, yeah i agree yeah
0: as the ad climaxes, the cut segue into time with the notes before the end line reads, "It's good." Mark, is it good?
2: Yeah, it's a nice crafted bit of film. I, I, I just think it feels a bit of a departure from the sort of street smarts that KFC have been showing yeah. in the last year. I mean,
0: the gangster their, kernel, yeah, to
2: but and just their behaviour on, you know, the whole brand behaviour day in, day out on social and the, the the place that they occupy, which feels really, really energetic and really fresh. And this felt, you know, from the more staged world of a TV ad and um, it feels like we've seen KFC at their best when they're, um, when they're out there, you know, I'd love to have seen it shot on a mobile phone uh, and feel like you are actually watching someone do it as opposed to um, a beautiful film, um, artfully doing it, but oh, really, you know, a bit more prob- gonzo,
0: a bit more rough. Yeah, and ready, I think so. You know.
2: But I probably someone put on the Chopin and went, "Oh, it needs to look beautiful." But but you know, uh, I, 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 I get I get the insight. It's it's ownable. Um, I just look at the brilliant stuff that they've been doing as a as a brand uh, across social, uh, just across culture. And, and, and then, like, more of that please. Mm.
1: I think if they'd have done it, like, a few years ago, you'd have thought it was... Actually, you'd have thought it was great. I think they've raised the bar high mm. on what you expect. So, a different... I mean, obviously, they own that, but a different brand, you'd, you'd, you'd probably really commend them. It's a pretty brave spot, but it just... Yeah, I think, I think you're right. There's a sort of, you know, my expectations are so high, I'm just looking to really enjoy what they put out Mm. and And a bit like burger king i think they just fit into those their entertainment brands like their their behaviors their acts their ads are forms of entertainment
2: challenge Um, me you know it's like when you got a brand like wendy's running into Fortnite and just having fun there just just there's the behavior that you want to it's, it's sort of like brand behavior i think with these that we're talking about here rather than perhaps just the the story being played out in thirty seconds. I think that 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 for me is the sort of theme here that 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 we're hitting on, which I personally think that whole total brand behavior is
0: a, is a is a more important thing all right um fans of russian doll if you've seen that on netflix um you'll be pleased to know that um the star of the show natasha leone is here to save the world or at least that's what coke would have if you believe um the new ad sees leone save a city from total annihilation by suggesting people make more of an effort to get on let's hear a bit of that yes.
2: save the world I mean the thing is everyone's obsessed with being right about everything you know if you asked yourself could I be the
1: one who's wrong maybe things would change for the better (laughs) hey
0: what do I know
3: it's a really well-made film it's it's annoying at the beginning you know everyone kind of like screaming at each other and it's supposed to be and then she comes in and calms it down Oh, I felt a bit cliched, I guess. Really? Uh, parts. Um, and I don't know. I kind of felt like what they're trying to convey perhaps hasn't come through as the film, in, in the film. Um But, yeah, I mean, it's it's all
0: right. Mark, you made the point before about Wendy's and Fortnite, which is um, really worth checking out. Listeners, if you don't know about it, give it a Google. Um, But, um, you know, this this ad by Coke is very much in the Fortnite style, isn't it? It's a video game and it's mixing the the elements of that with kind of sort of real life and, you know, cinema themes and culture. This This is what a brand like Coke should be doing, shouldn't it?
2: Yeah, but I guess it's what form it takes, you know. That was Wendy's going into Fortnite and doing it with everybody who's playing Fortnite. I think, you know, it it, it is all beautifully put together. I think the art direction and the design work on the posters and the cans is very, very uh, uh, well executed. It's a great bit of film. I I think there's something just above above the advertising, which is, you know, you kind of have to show that behavior in the real world rather than tell it to somebody in, in communication. And, um, that's the bigger challenge, you know? So, so if you're telling a new proposition about openness and, 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 you know, they're going at that kind of, uh, uh, the, um, empathy gap, you know, that everyone's highlighting, how do you make, how do you make. Social platforms a nicer place to be and how are people kinder to each other? They are big, big things to grapple with, mm. and maybe you're kinda of seeing the limits of advertising to
0: grapple with those things. I think there's something bigger going on there. That Do you, do you agree, Camilla, that um, a brand like Coke obviously wants to be involved in the conversation, these themes about being nice to each other on social media and all the rest of it? And I, I hesitantly will bring up the ghost of Pepsi and Kendall Jenner um, those years ago when...
1: I was going to bring it up anyway, bread. yes!
0: So you, you had a similar thought, did you?
1: Well, I I, I did, and actually I, I was going to commend Coke because oh. I think that... You know, as one of the first big advertisers ever, Coke's always had a universal perspective on humanity. Now, whether or not a soft drink and a universal perspective on humanity is, you know, do you do that? Is that the right... Actually, it's one of the most universal products and brands in the world. It's available everywhere in the world. And it has a, he- a heritage of having big a big perspective on culture. And I think it hasn't recently that much. And I think that you could do that job of having, you know, reigniting your perspective on culture, um, which I think people want to know what a brand's perspective on culture is at some level, and you could do it in a very bad way, um, like Pepsi, where you kind of claim that your product is the fix for culture. And I think what they've done really well is have a perspective and almost go, and that perspective's from us, rather than trying to position them as the answer Mm -hmm. to all modern divisiveness Mm -hmm. and everything else. And I, I, I think that's quite a tricky thing to do. But I do think if any brand... Has a sort of, you know, has owned having a kind of universal outlook. It's Coke, so part of me goes. It feels quite familiar, in a weird way, for Coca Cola. Uh, they haven't done that sort of stuff recently, but yeah, I think they've they've navigated it, and it's a it's a it's it's a beautifully constructed, interesting. It's hard. It's hard creating great work mm. globally on Coca Cola. It's yeah. a it's a it's a crown jewels of a brand, yeah. and I think they've done. You know. To to, to to position the product where it is in the context of that ad in and of mm. itself is is commendable.
0: An interesting contrast, um, however unfair it may be, with um, that Pepsi ad which um, I think they created in-house um, versus this one which was created by Wyden and Kennedy London. Um, Hot Take, do you think any brand, I mean this is a, terribly difficult thing in general for brands to do in terms of trying to kind of take on these really difficult issues in society can you think of any examples off the top of your head where brands have done it well? i
1: tell you what I will uh, say and it's it, t- t- to Mark's point I think there is a point about is the best way to express a perspective or even highlight something in culture is it is the best way to do that and add, discuss yeah. um, and this is something that isn't an ad and everyone's been talking about the last couple of days but for me i think there's something so brilliant you know the tesco plasters yes.
0: so this is where they've started in plasters in different yes. skin colour types yeah.
1: yeah and the response has been unbelievable it's highlighted like we everyone spends the whole time going yeah you know uh inclusivity dah, dah, dah. and then actually it takes something as simple as realizing that that hadn't really been done or certainly not at scale if it had been done and how simple that was and you go how can we be in 2020 and that not have happened mm. Mm. i think what's what comes out of it is that it's a values based thing for them i think i think that there's genuine mm. integrity and yeah. a desire to do the right thing and of course that is the communication that it, you know it's not a vehicle to drive a point of view no. it is how they it's see the world the right and it's the right thing, the to, right do. thing to do yeah. and that is the contract now and so The point about advertising, is that ever really the right thing unless you're communicating? If you're communicating about the plasters that you've created that solve a genuine problem that move something forward and change, to a tiny degree, change a lot of lives, that's that's powerful. That's really powerful. I think we're at
2: that point where, you know, for me when it works brilliantly, when your advertising is telling the story of the thing that you're doing... As opposed to it being the thing, uh, it's a subtle but, but but quite important distinction that I think you're just going to see going to see more
0: of. Right? Any other ads that we've seen this week that have caught your eye?
2: Uh, I think Amazon have just announced a new series with Heidi Klum, which is kind of looks like one of their first fully joined up plays, which is fashion content. With a full retail experience built into it, and I, you kind of go. For me, starting to see that coming through, which is you know, a fully joined up entertainment experience with the the, the shoppable capability of Amazon built into that. that. That that that's definitely one to watch for me, and and exciting. You kind of everyone's been hanging on to go. Okay, right, Amazon, when do you start to pull all this together? Uh, because th- you, know you know they will. Mm. I think this was announced yesterday, so
0: that it was definitely one to watch for me. Gertrude, okay, what are you working on for the rest of this week? Um,
3: I have just finished uh, a piece on Cosmopolitan magazine. I did an interview with the, the editor not so long ago, um, and just off the back of the ABC's uh. L- Two weeks ago, so we're publishing the piece this week. And, and what's going
0: on with Cosmo? What's that? What's that? I mean, yeah, plan? print
3: print sales aren't great, um, but Cosmo still leading the women's market. Um, and. The editor uh, Claire, she's come from a she was their digital editor for about mm. four years, and so she talked a lot about how they have used digital to kind of really push themselves. Um, but even things like non-gendered language and things like that, they just small tweaks that she's done. I think, um, uh, yeah, help it helping the brand along.
0: Camilla, before we wrap up, what's inspiring you?
1: I couldn't wrap up without talking about two words: friends' reunion.
2: Oh. Oh. I mean
1: <laughs> the wave of newcomers to Friends I find that cyclical nature of stuff even though Friends is actually you know it's it, it definitely bits of it have dated really badly it's amazing to me how that has sort of captured a oh, totally new so everything changes but mm. also everything stays the same
0: that's all the time we have for this week, I'm afraid. Um, thanks again to Number Eight Studio in London Soho for putting us up. Much appreciation from our panel: Camilla Harrison from Anomaly, Markies from Gravity Road, and my esteemed colleague Gergit Deegan. Um, remember, all these stories that we've been talking about, you can, I think, catch most of them on CampaignLive.co.uk, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks very much.